Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So I want us to open to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. This is a chapter that I love to preach out of, and I've, I've preached out of this chapter from many different angles, but it's just, it's the scripture that came to me when I started thinking of soul winning and started thinking about speaking into this, this issue of insecurity. Numbers chapter 13, and I'm going to race through the chapter because I want to leave myself enough time to talk about the various things I have in my heart, but in verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. Okay? So God speaks here to Moses, saying, I want you to pick a chief among each of these tribes. So a man among men, a leader, someone who possesses strength and valor. And I want you to send these 12 to spy out a land. Now, now listen to the, to the phrasing. To spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. When Father says, I'm giving you something, he's giving you something, right? So these men were actually not even going in order to see if they could possess it because it was already given by the Father. But this is the quandary right here. Father gives something, and we spend the rest of our lives asking him for it. Do you hear what I'm saying? God, if you would please just supply me with wisdom today. Jesus Christ, who has become our wisdom, is what, is what Paul spoke to the church of Corinth, who has become our wisdom, has become our redemption, has become our righteousness. Father, if you would just make me righteous but I've become your righteousness. And what happened is I realized for so many years of my life, I had actually been trained up in this mentality of lack. In the church, I had been trained to believe that I lacked and therefore I, would, I, I never felt like I had enough. And therefore the world always had to revolve around me because I wasn't there yet. But the day that Jesus came to me and said, Jake, not only do I still love you, but I am your supply. I am your strong tower. I am your strength. I am your provision. I am your hope. I am, I am your faith. I am all the things that you've ever needed. I am that I am. And the day that I finally surrendered to that, guess what I found? He wasn't lying. And I suddenly had joy that was not contingent upon how the day went. I suddenly had a confidence that had nothing to do with how well the day was ordered. So here we have, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of, the, all of them men who are heads of the people of Israel. We're going to fast forward. I don't need to name out all of them. Verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negeb and up into the hill country 
and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So when they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, near, I'm going to butcher all these, Labahamath, they went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahaman, Sheshai, and Telmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eskol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eskol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. They found beautiful fruit in the land. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel. In the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. There is a massive difference between someone who walks in security and someone who walks in insecurity. Those who walked in insecurity only saw the issues, only saw the potential problems, only saw the things that they could not overcome. The one who walked in security only saw really through the eyes of, of the Father. He was able to see the potential. He was able to see all of the beauty. He was able to see all that was in front of them that was going to work because of the security that had been deposited in him. How can two reports be so different? How can two people see two entirely different things? Then the men who had gone up with him said, now listen, when they hear Caleb say this, now the story gets even more exaggerated. Have you ever been around people like that? You go, you go through something tough. By the end of the day, the, the story has been so exaggerated that you would think, you know, hell itself, you know, stood in opposition. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that literally eats the people. You see it now? They didn't say that at first. Now they're saying, the land devours the inhabitants. In fact, it's so impossible. This mission that you've called us to is so impossible. The land itself will open up and eat you if you try and go. And all the people, now there were some giants, now it's every single one of them. Every single person is of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed, listen to this. Now, this is the crux of the matter right here. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. You hear this? These were the chiefs that were sent out. 
These were, the, these were the man among men sent to do this. And the ten of the twelve admit, we seemed to ourselves in light of all of that like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And right here is the crux of soul winning itself. As we go out into a harvest as more than conquerors, we go out into a harvest as those who have been fully satisfied, as those who lack for nothing, we carry all of that as a reality. But when we go out, we set aside the promise of the Father. We seem to ourselves as insignificant and insecure. And when we go before the people, we make them to be giants when they're not. And suddenly, what on earth are we offering them? They're looking at us going, you're a grasshopper. You don't have anything that I want. Why on earth would I follow your God? Why on earth would I, be, would I want to be a part of your kingdom? Yeah. No, but Jesus is really great, but, you know, my life's miserable and... You know, we, we, we reflect these things. We project these things. And people look and go, and, and why, should, why do I want to come? Why do I want to be involved in this? And I realize right now, it's like, geez, Jake, this is a little bit harsh. It's a little bit harsh, but what I'm trying to expose is it doesn't have to be this way. It's not meant to be this way. We have settled for so far less than the Father has offered. And I don't want to live my life crying out to God for scraps whenever he set a banqueting table before me and, and, and tells me at the end of my life, the banqueting table you always had access to. The oversupply, the abundance is what I made available to you. But your faith wouldn't allow you in. And before we can be the kind of person that brings in the multitudes, we have to settle this thing in us. Because I promise you right now, I've, I've, I've listened to enough of the dream of God for this place. I've heard it from Adrian. I've heard it from different leaders in this assembly. I've prayed into it myself. I see the vision God has for this place. I know that you guys have even made a step in the last several months to expand and to enter into this facility, and, and that stretching is painful and it hurts. But ultimately, we're doing it because we know we walk in an abundance. We walk, there is not a lack. And in that place, we're going to take on some giants that might initially feel like, you want me to do what, Lord? And I want to tell you right now in this room, God is challenging some of you to see yourselves through a lens you've never seen yourself through. To step into a place and say, there is a supply in me through Jesus Christ that I'm going to begin to walk in in confidence and it's going to drive out every insecurity that I've given permission to cling to me. And when that begins to happen, you're not going to have to wake up every day and 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 say, I'm going to try really hard to win souls, people are going to be drawn to you because that's how the kingdom works. You begin to represent this, this kingdom under this king, and people come to you and say, who are you? And sometimes they come angrily saying, who do you think you are? Don't you realize this is the, this is the worst time we could, uh, uh, this is the worst time for anyone to ever live? This coronavirus and the economy and all of these things going on, how do you have joy? How do you have a smile on your face? How can you say there's hope in this year? Well, believe it or not, when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago and declared it is finished and the whole earth shook, 
He knew about coronavirus. Coronavirus didn't shake him. Jesus isn't in heaven right now pacing back and forth going, I said it is finished, but then coronavirus happened. <laughs> what am I going to do? I wasn't ready for that. <clears throat> and I realize it's, it's, it's funny, but guys, we, we succumb to, the, to a different frequency than the heavenly mandate that says you have everything you need to not only survive in this hour, but to thrive. You have everything you need. You have every capacity to champion this moment, this day. You have been set here for such a time as this. And in that, the nation of South Africa is relying upon the church to be the witness. And that doesn't mean a prayer that says, well, God, you're sovereign and you're going to do it. No, because then you have a complete and utter incorrect understanding of sovereignty. And Father's sovereignty, he has placed you here, supplied you with his spirit and his life, and he said, make it happen. How awesome is that? That we don't have to sit back and say, well, hopefully God shows up. No, God showed up through Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, made himself available to anyone that would surrender their lives. We sang the song this morning, I'm wholly surrendered. Are we wholly surrendered? Because when we are wholly surrendered, meaning, wholly surrendered means, I believe everything that you tell me about your kingdom. I believe everything you say to be true of my life. I believe it. I stake my life upon it. When we come to that place, it changes everything. I was a 17-year-old, utterly broken, utterly a mess. Jesus came in, spoke to my life, and I just said, Lord, I will radically run after you. Fifteen years later, I haven't changed from that confession. I haven't changed from that mandate. I haven't changed from that posturing. Father has given us nations. One of the first tests that I had before the Lord, one of the first things he did to say, if you're all in, it was feed my sheep. People started coming to me. Jake, what's happened to you? You know, what's, what's, what's been the change in your life? And I had to make a decision. Was I going to make myself available to these people that were hurting and broken? It's, it's the soul winner's mandate. Are people going to be a nuisance to me? Or am I going to be available to them, grab them by the hand and say, we're going to do this thing together because the same father who's spoken to me has, has already spoken into you. The same opportunity, the same gifts, the same, the same love that he supplied to me, he has supplied to you. And that's where we are today. I remember being, going to the university that I went to and having a guy come and knock on my door at midnight. And I opened the door to him, and there he was, and he had snot running all down his face. His eyes were blotchy. He had, all, he had obviously been crying. And he, and he literally fell into my arms. I had no idea who the guy was. He fell into my arms, and he said, help me. It's midnight, I'm not a night owl. I, was, I had been asleep for a while now. You know, I'm trying to like, okay, what is happening? And I sit down with the young guy and I say to him, what's going on? You know, what's happening? He says, my life's a mess. I'm failing out of school. My parents have paid for me to come here and they're going to be furious. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm in all the wrong friend groups. I have no idea how to get out. That's not the kind of person you look at and say, they're going to be a great leader one day, Right? But guys, listen to me. 
Sometimes in our soul winning, we become very natural in our selection process. We're looking out and we're saying, oh, there's a winner there. Look at them. They got some muscles. They got a nice new haircut. If I win them to Jesus, imagine what could be done. Jesus, on the other hand, went to 12 men who had flunked out of, of, of rabbinical school and were doing their family trade. It was why the Pharisees and Sadducees were so offended was he had picked those guys to be his disciples. Because they're looking at this and saying, that's not the cream of the crop. And you're offering those kind of promises? Are you out of your mind? Amen? So this young man sits down with me, tells me a story, and I say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And he says to me, I, I sleep all day, and I'm up all night, and it's at night when I get in trouble. Would you, would you be up in the night with me, is what he asked me. I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm in university, full load of classes. I'm a, I'm a college athlete. I'm playing soccer on scholarship, and I'm running a, f- a full ministry as a basically the, the, the student pastor to the, to the campus. How on earth am I going to fit this in? And I prayed and said, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, feed my sheep. So I said to him, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for three months, I'll stay up with you from midnight till 4 a.m. And we'll shoot pool. I talked to a faculty member. We went and shot pool. And we will be in the Word. And we'll be in fellowship. And I did it for three months. That young man today is still in full-time ministry. Married to an amazing woman, has wonderful kids. God shaped him and changed his life. Years later, when God began to open up the DR Congo, the Lord said to me, the seed for this nation was the way you were faithful to that young man. And I began to realize that so often we downplay the wrong moments, looking for the big mountaintop opportunities. And those individuals in front of us are the people that God has asked us to radically give ourselves to. But we cannot be available to radically give ourselves to those individuals if we're not secure. And guess what? None of us, none of us have the excuse to be insecure if we have Jesus Christ. It's a powerful statement, but listen to me. And I know some of you might be sitting there saying, but you don't know what I've walked through. You don't know what's been done to me. You don't know the situation I'm in. The beauty of the gospel is, is, is this fact. I don't have to know specifically what you've walked through. I know what he's done. I know what he's purposed in your life. I know what he's finished on your behalf. I know the price he paid at the cross and the fact that it covered every wrong you've ever done to someone and every wrong that's ever been done to you. And that in a moment, it can liberate you from the effect of those things on your life. It can free you. As we sang today, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Well, insecurity breeds fear. When Jesus secures us, it liberates us of that fear of what's tomorrow going to look like? What's next week going to look like? What's the end of this year going to look like? If then, if then. And we can come to the word and we can stake our hope in him and we can be those that do not, that no longer see ourselves as grasshoppers, and when you no longer see yourself as a grasshopper, when you, lo- when you begin to see yourself as one who's been redeemed, as one who has been planted in Christ, as one who walks not only with the hope that's been given for ourselves, but one who has a supply of hope to, to, to be made available to every person you come across, it changes everything. And it actually 
that vision and that understanding begins to command the resource required for your life. It begins to command the resource, not just the resource, but the, but the doors that have to open. And I, and I say this out of, out of the experience of walking it out for the last 15 years, guys. I mean, I, I've lived for 15 years as a volunteer. Meaning for 15 years, I've been utterly reliant on other people giving into my life to travel and to do all the things that we do. There's a vehicle parked outside right now. I had a man that came to me, sat with me while I was in the States to say, the Holy Spirit told me you need a new vehicle. Go buy it. I'm, I'm, to this, 15 years later, those moments still utterly shock me. Like, what? Go buy it. Okay. It, why, well, why did you need a new vehicle, etc.? Well, the Lord's opening the nations. Has, has anyone ever driven in DR Congo? <laughs> That's why you need a, a seriously outfitted vehicle. That's why you need the lift and you need the things and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in a place where I'm sweating and saying, Lord God, but you said this. Why, ha- why haven't I seen this? You just have to start moving forward as if it's true. Do you hear me? Listen, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, when you start a gen set, right? And you start pulling it and it, okay, a little more choke. You know, for some of you guys, it's like a little more faith, a little more word, a little more time in the scriptures. Get, get that thing amped up enough and eventually, and it's just going to start, it's going to start. I feel like I'm doing that in some of your hearts right now. I actually feel Spiritually, I feel that resistance where you're going, ugh. <laughs> you probably feel it in yourself. Listen, I'm not, I'm so convinced of this. I'm not trying to persuade you right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to compel you. The word of God is the greatest supply you've ever been given. It's not being withheld from you. This is your word. This is your foundation. This is your rock. You get to choose whether or not you stand on it or you stand on another promise. Whether you stand on this reality or whether your current reality in the flesh conveys more truth. This word has never failed me. Ever. Simple truths. And I want, to tell, I want to tell you, the other word the Lord gave me for this congregation is there's a power in simplicity. For some of you, you're actually, you're trying to do too much. Simplify. Get back to the word. Get back to that place where you can stand before him and say, you love me. Apart from anything I ever did. Apart from, apart from any successes I have. You love me. In fact, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. You will never be invigorated to love him radically until you receive the radical love he has for you. That love empowers you to love him in return. He's not waiting for you to love him right so that he will love you. He first loves. Those basic building blocks are what we have to get to. Strip ourselves of everything else. And out of that place, you begin to have the passion and the motivation to run hard for Jesus. That's what it's all about. All of the other things in life will be supplied 
as those things are put in their right order. Right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. And it is so hard to not say, let me add all these things. (laughs) Let me be sure that all these are right. And then Jesus, I think I can do the seek first thing. We can try and, and submit a counter proposal, which we do all the time. I see what your word says. I'm going to counter it with this. Consider my terms, Jesus. <laughs> Father's sitting there going, it just doesn't work that way. I'm just not going to change my terms. 15 years, guys. 15 years. Radical for Jesus. Trusting on his supply day to day to day. And over those years, faithfulness has made room for more provision. Faithfulness has made room for more opportunities. Faithfulness has made room for a greater team. And I just want to say this, and I want to speak into some things. I don't want to stay to the script of what I'd planned. There is such a supply of leadership in this room right here. Some of you have come never considering, never considering what your role in this team and this foundation is. And I'm not talking about you need to quit your jobs. I'm saying you have been fashioned and formed and placed in this location to be part of a great move of God, and you have a role to play. Some of you need to simply go to the leadership here and say, Help me find my role. Help me find my place because I'm all in. Right? Because when everyone carries their their part to play, there's not a few people spinning 30 plates anymore. And there's there's that peace that comes in. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with 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 those early stages of some people spin a lot of plates. But when I see the capacity and the potential in a room like this, and I'm not looking at you through eyes of flesh. I'm not looking and saying, dude, you look pretty strong. I think you've got what it takes. I'm saying in Christ, the the potential in this room is enough to change this nation. In Christ, the potential in this room is enough to see people sent into, into some of the darkest parts of Africa. And let me tell you, South Africans are some of the most equipped people in the natural to handle those elements. And, one of, and yet, one of the things that keeps South Africans from being all in is that concern of, of resource and provision. And I look at this nation, I say, look at the way God has provided. Look at the resource that has been supplied. I just want to deliver, I want to see God deliver you from the fear of provision. From that thing ever coming on you again. And constraining you to live in any kind of fear or any kind of lack. Amen? I want to see the Lord liberate every person in this room today from any feeling like, I lack, therefore I cannot. Amen? Let me just ask this, because I actually, there's, there's moments in life where <clears throat> it's important for you to be able to make a bit of a stand and say, you know what? I don't want to be constrained by fear any longer, or I don't want to be constrained by that lack any longer, or I want to be someone that walks in the fullness of all that God's put in my life. And I want to shine, not just for me, but for the multitudes that are in this nation. Because guys, there are, there are broken, 
broken multitudes in South Africa, as much as there are in any other place in the world. How many are in this room right now that would say, I want to set, I want to, you know, I always think of like taking a flag and sticking it in the ground. Like I want to, I want to, I want to smash this flag in the ground and say, Father, I want to be someone that walks in the full expression of freedom that you've given to me for the sake of those around me. Is there anyone in this room that just says, listen, that's me. I want to do it. I want you to stand up. Because I'm going to pray over those who feel, you know what? I want this to be said of me. I want this to be true of me. And it's okay if you don't stand up. I'm not here. I'm not, obviously not getting anything out of you standing up. So I'm not, I'm not trying to twist arms right now. But what I, what I want, I want people to look around a little bit. I want you to understand this, this assembly and this movement is exceedingly powerful. And the potential of this movement is unbelievable. The potential of this assembly right here to, to invest in not only those places that you see, wow, if we could touch into that, that realm of, of, of this region, there's a lot of resource to be had. Yeah, there's some truth there. But I also want to say there is untapped potential in some of the people that you've written off. There's untapped potential in some of the communities that you pass by and don't for a second think of. Father has thought of them. Jesus has bled and died for them. And if you, wanna, if you wanna be a church that begins to really shake things up, you're gonna start investing in those, those locations. And it might be uncomfortable, and it might, have, it might be going completely against your plans, but is it his plan? Amen? I just wanna encourage you guys. I, I, I see, I feel in my spirit an acceleration where Father begins to create such a movement that people all around begin to say, I have to go check out what's going on because I feel the shaking. I, I, it's like the, trem, the trembling. You know, when, when soldiers start to move, there's a, there's, there's a disturbance. And that disturbance causes people to say, what's happening? What's going on here? There's a disturbance that you guys are going to cause. And it's going to come out of this simple thing. Listen to me. An awakening in your life of what you've already received through the finished work of Jesus. I'm not talking about God's gonna give you something today that you never had before. No, I'm gonna say he's gonna open your eyes to see that which he's already deposited. And I pray that this week is a journey of him shaking things in your life. Tear, some of you, he's gonna have to tear it out because you're actually holding on to it. It's become such a part of your life that you're saying, I, I don't know who I am without this. And he's gonna say, let it go. And there's a, there's a liberty, there's a freedom. There's gonna be some dancing. You know that happens when you're really freed. You don't have to be told to dance. There's like, there's just, it's like there, there's just this movement that comes on you where you say, I just, I have to go. Because of the supply, you'll never be tired again. Oh, Jake, that's a big promise. No, I promise you, I'm living in it right now. 15 years. 15 years of running and saying to Jesus every year, how much more can we do? What is it going to look like? From here, I leave this service. I drive about 24 hours north to sit with 20 chaplains and invest into them for four days. And I'm not going to get there and say, Father, it's been so hard. I need a nap. Why? Because of the supply he's given. 
because of what he spoke to me as a 17-year-old and said, Jake, I still love you. Will you just believe it? My plans for you are exceedingly great. I've given you the nations, is what he told me. 17 years old, I've given you the nations. And in my utter immaturity, I just said, okay. Show me how to walk it out. Show me what it looks like. I've traveled over 40 now. Sat with kings, sat with presidents. I've been imprisoned in some of the darkest places of the world. And guess what? Kings and emperors have gotten me out because of the provision of heaven. Had nothing to do with my manipulation in these moments. I just know obedience is what he's called us to. And in that place of obedience, a command of the provision of heaven comes on your life. But you can't expect the provision without the obedience. Abraham went, not knowing where he was going. Father went to him and said, your name is Abram, and I want you to change it to Abraham. He literally went to him and said, you who are married to a woman that is barren, I want you to change your name to father of many nations. Can you imagine how ludicrous that would sound? If there's, if there's a couple in this room that doesn't yet have children, and the husband changes his name to father of thousands, and then, and then stops people and corrects them and says, my name isn't Abram anymore, it's Abraham. Can you imagine the ridicule? We read through these passages and don't realize that Romans 4 tells us because he was willing to take God at his word, it was credited to him as righteousness. Because he began to give God glory before he even see, saw the thing, his faith was increased and he received the reward. 